Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Proverbs 16, 27 says an ungodly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire. How is your language? How's your language? Oh, I never cuss, Ray. Do you abuse your spouse? Do you abuse your kids? Do you abuse your friends with your tongue? Do you use your tongue to manipulate or to accuse or discourage others or to put them down? It doesn't take cuss words to make bad language. This is almost unbelievable, but I've even heard people gossip pray before. You ever heard a gossip prayer? Somebody's praying about somebody, but in their prayer, well, Lord, you know that uh, I want to pray for for Barbara, because as you know, Lord, she went over and, and, and to that guy's house and she called him on the phone and she did. And they explained the whole story in their prayer. They're gossiping in their prayer. I've heard gossip prayer, and it's disgusting. And they're praying while they're doing it. It doesn't take cuss words to make bad language. It doesn't take profanity to produce bad language. The tongue defiles the whole body and sets on fire the whole course of nature. If you did everything in your life absolutely perfect, let's say you got a perfect career. Let's say you've got the perfect gym tightened up body and you're doing everything just right, you could still burn the whole thing down to nothing by what you say. These people on TV, Hollywood, man, they got the life. They got the money. They are ripped. They got time to work out. They got nutritionists. They got all this stuff going on. They got filthy mouths. They are burning the whole thing down. Defiled. How many of you like to play with firecrackers? (laughs) Firecrackers. What you do is you set the fuse on fire, and that you watch that little fire burn down into the casing where the charge is at, right? And sometimes you want to play with it for a while and see how long you can wait to throw it. Don't try that. It hurts. The tongue. The tongue is like the fuse of a firecracker. And James said it's set on fire by hell. And once that fuse gets lit, it burns deep down inside and then pop, defiles the whole body. James 3 and 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Guys, I'm preaching God's word with this tongue that is being described like that. And it's taking a discipline to do it. I have to make it do it. Something that wicked, you force that sucker under submission to the God. Look how bad that is. Tongue can't be tamed, it says. 
The tongue is such a ruthless evil. And you see how James describes how crazy wicked it can be, but all the more surprising is that now he flips the whole thing around. Look at what he said. Bad, bad. But watch him flip it. James 3 and 9. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. We shouldn't do that. It shouldn't be this way and that. It shouldn't be both. It should be one or the other. Now, who is he addressing again? Brethren. He's saying, believers, you ought to understand this. It shouldn't be like this. Now, I know in in mixed company of unbelievers and believers, you may get debate and they, oh, well, we get to say what we want to. He's like, fine. James is saying, I'm talking to believers. This ought to not be like this. The very same tongue that we cut people down with is also used for praise. One mouth blesses and curses. This is not biblical permission to have bad language, though. He's not saying we do both. He's not saying with it we bless and we curse. We do this. He's not saying we can do both. He says this is how it ought not to be. It's got the capacity to bless and curse, but he says it shouldn't be like that, brethren. Some people just love having a fiery mouth. It's those people who are always blasting off whatever they want to say. They don't care who hears it. They don't care what they think about it. But James says this ought not to be so. Believers, not for you. Just because somebody else does it doesn't give you permission to do it. Now, I've heard people say, well, but Ray, I was raised like this. I was raised talking like this. Or my dad always did it. Or it's just built into me. Or I was in the military and that's just how we talk. I've heard it. I've even heard, but I'm Italian. Or, but I'm Irish. Oh man, people get me mad. That Irish comes out of me. What's this excuse making here? You don't get the right to do that. Brethren, this ought not to be so. He doesn't care where you come from or what your culture was or what you were brought up in. Brethren, meaning changed person from who you were, new life. This ought to not be like this. I've heard a lot of people give reasons why they're allowed to go off whenever they want, but God's word says plain black and white. Believers, this is not what should be coming out of you. It's not the way it should be. James 3 and 11, does a spring send forth both fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, see how he's reminding us? (laughs) Can a fig tree, my brethren, believers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. James is using natural things to make his point. You can tell that James is the brother of Jesus, right? Because Jesus did the same thing. It's called parables. It's a simple illustration that shows a good story. Fresh and salt water cannot both come from the same spring. Go to Galveston right now. You can dunk yourself a hundred times in different parts of the beach and and take a taste. You're always going to get salt water every time. Fig trees cannot bear olives. Grape vines can't bear figs. I've got a peach tree in my backyard. What if I walked out there and saw bananas hanging off of it? It's not going to happen. James's point should be very, very clear. A believer's tongue cannot be inconsistent like this. If you drop a bucket down in a well and you pull up sand, what's in the well? Sand. If you drop a bucket in a well and pull up water, what's in the well? Water. What's in the well comes up with the bucket. If your language is terrible, 
then what's really down in your heart? Those out there, because I, since I've heard it a million times, those out there who claim to be a believer of Jesus, but if you have wicked language, who do you think you're getting? What's in the well comes up with the bucket. And so as sinners, our tongue is so vile. What should we do about it? Well, since the tongue is so influential, then we should control it. If the tongue is so infectious, then it should be confined. If your tongue is infectious, shut it up. And if your tongue is so salty and bitter, then the tongue must be cleansed. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, which means building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Anybody that hears you should be encouraged by you. If you're in a long line at the grocery store, and you're standing there, oh gosh, this line's going to take forever. Golly, why did we ever come here? Somebody's hearing you. Are you helping their day? Or are you making it worse? The people that hear you should be built up. You should impart grace to them. And you know what? You never know who's going to hear you. I know of a story of some guys that were on a mission trip, and there was a problem at the airport, and they were standing in line to get a plane ticket or something, and it was a very long line. And they were just like, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> just be happy. And there were people in the line. They weren't even at the mission trip yet. There were people in the line that got saved just because they wanted to know, why are you so happy? <laughs> it's got to impart grace to the hearers. There's a saying, if you can't say something nice, say nothing. But for believers, it goes a step beyond just keeping corrupt things from being said by us. It goes into a continual discipline that we have to be careful about everything we say. We should be building others up, not tearing it down, them down, so that it communicates grace to those who hear us. You know, you only get one life to live on earth, as I think about this. One life. And it's actually a very short one at that. With Holy Spirit enablement, it's not impossible for us to live with this discipline. We just have to decide that we want to do it. When I wanted to go to college, I had to just decide I wanted to do it. It was a discipline, study, commitment. But I had to decide first I wanted to do it. We've got to come to a point in our lives where we have to decide I'm going to get this tongue under control and draw a line in the sand, cross it, and don't go back and maintain that speech. We just have to decide we want to do it. So let me ask you, how's your language? What are you saying when you speak? When you talk, what are you saying? Does it help others up or does it tear them down? Real believers of Jesus will build up others and praise God with their tongue. If you don't build up others and praise God with your tongue, if you do the opposite, I'm going to ask the question again, what's in that well? Because what's coming up with that bucket? Your tongue must match your claim. James 3 and 13, heavenly versus demonic wisdom. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, 
confusion and every evil thing are there. Okay, James is calling out the fakers again, isn't he? You phonies that are claiming to be believers and claiming to be wise and have understanding. Okay, what does he say? Show it. Let's see. (laughs) When someone is wise, wise, that means they have the ability to apply knowledge. That's another definition of wisdom is knowledge applied. And also this means that when you apply knowledge, it becomes the form of works. When I apply my knowledge, I'm performing works. Remember, James just said, faith without works is dead. Ephesians 2 says that salvation is not by works, it's by grace. So James is not saying you have to have works to be saved. But if you are saved, salvation will produce works. Remember, salvation produces works. Works do not produce salvation. But now he's saying, when you apply your knowledge, it's a form of works. You've got to work it. So if you're claiming to be wise and understanding, he says, let him show it. Show it. Let's see it. Let's see if you can do it. So James is saying, don't just claim to be wise. Show it. Good conduct is shown, is worked out in the meekness of wisdom. But the bitter and self-seeking kind of earthly wisdom will boast, brag against the truth. Okay, meekness. Meekness is gentleness. Meek is gentle. It's humble. But boasting is the exact opposite of being meek. It's loud and it's proud and it's not gentle. But it's abrasive and it's also argumentative, isn't it? All those people on TV, when you turn on the TV, whether it's a reality show or it's the news, You know what you're seeing? You're seeing a lot of people fighting with each other. They're throwing each other under the bus. Guys, that is not meekness. Everybody's fighting for what they want for me. That's self-seeking. It's not meek. The boastful, proud people, they just can't take it when somebody pops off at them. They have to fire back. And their short temper causes them to blow up in response. That is not meekness. It's not gentle. But someone who has authentically real good conduct. See where he says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Somebody with good conduct, they don't react by exploding. They know how to apply themselves with a gentle wisdom. The wisdom that comes from above, from God. James just told us how to determine which influence people are living by. According to how they act, there's two different kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom from below and there's a wisdom from above. He just he told us that. Now, if people truly belong to the Lord, those who say I belong to the Lord, if you really do, then your behavior should be according to good conduct. Well, Ray, what's good conduct? You know, the good conduct could could be relative. What is good conduct? Conduct is meek. It is gentle. How's your conduct? Is your conduct abrasive? in your face. It's got to be my way. That's not meek. Conduct that is meek is gentle. All these people that are fighting about politics out there. Now, I have political views and I side here and I I vote this way and all that, but I don't get into the fight, guys. I don't get into the argument. You look at my Facebook page. I don't post anything on politics because I don't want to go at it with people because I want to stay meek. I don't want to fight with people on that. All the people that are fighting about politics and they get in the the streets and they yell and they march and they cut people down for this or that and they shout hatefully at everybody. Okay, guys, that is not gentle. That's not good conduct. 
I don't care how right people think they are in their cause. James says that this is not from above because it is not gentle. People that act abrasive and hostile and angry, they are the demon's little puppets. The demons are pulling the strings. Jump. Okay, jump this high. Jump over here. And they're, they're doing it. Friends, do you really want to be like that? Do you want to be controlled by the demonic? He says it's demonic. If there's one thing we can certainly say about our society today, it is definitely self-seeking, isn't it? Everybody wants what they want for them. And that drives the whole argument. Everybody's all up in arms these days. They're having total fits over getting what they want, and they're willing to go to war over it. That is self-seeking. It's not good conduct. Christian, beware of this kind of conduct. Our TVs and our movies and our culture is force-feeding it to us. How to be just like it. Watch your kids. That they don't pick that up. It's causing everybody to act that way. Don't let it have an influence over you. Even if people are discussing viewpoints that you agree with, if it is being worked out through a bitter, argumentative, self-seeking conduct through which they apply their works, then that viewpoint is not from above. It is demonic. I've had two guys going at each other over a Bible subject, and one quoted with this verse, and one quoted with that verse. And in my theological mind, one guy was right and one guy was wrong. But they were fighting each other to the ground over who was right. And they both came to me, and they both gave their side, and they said, who's right and who's wrong? I said, you're both wrong. Well, we can't both be wrong. I said, yeah, you are. Well, I got this first. I said, no, it's how you're destroying each other. It's wrong. Well, who's theologically right? I said, I'm not going there. Control your tongue. People like that act like this, they'll swear they're saved, and they'll say they have godly wisdom and understanding. But this is why James tells the people like this in verse 14. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. First, he said, show it, but don't lie. Do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't just say you have understanding and wisdom. Show it. And if you have it, you should be able to prove it. This requires us to review our actions. Man, I'm telling you, reading this chapter, I really had to review myself. What am I doing? When I'm in the backyard working on something and something breaks, and like the other day, the lawnmower wouldn't start. And I just got so mad. And when I came to my senses, I had to think, did I say anything? (laughs) But what are you saying through your conduct? Show it. If you have it, you should be able to prove it. We've got to review our actions. And then you've got to determine which of the two kinds of wisdom you're working from. Are you working from heavenly wisdom or are you working from earthly wisdom? Because James said there's two. There's one from above and there's one from here. And the one here is earthly and essential. It's the feel good. How do you feel? This ain't about how you feel. This is about doing the right thing. You make the right decision. Don't go by how you feel. Go by what's true, the truth. How you act, how you speak, is going to show which one you really are. Your conduct and your speech will either blow your cover or it will prove your authenticity. Ooh, it's very responsible, isn't it? You've got a lot of people that are unbelievers that know you. You are responsible to them through your conduct. James 3 and 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. See, he's telling us what's good conduct. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. 
Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay, if anybody out there is still having trouble trying to determine what heavenly good behavior really looks like, if you have to have a clear-cut standard that leaves no doubt whatsoever about what good conduct looks like, James just showed it to us. He just nailed it. First, James said the word pure. He said the word pure. Well, everybody thinks they're pure according to their own opinion. But then he says peaceable. See how he says peaceable? Peaceable means that you are inclined to avoid argument. You are inclined to avoid conflict. I know people that are in conflict and argument all the time. Everywhere they go is conflict. Everywhere they go is drama. And I've had people say, I'm so sick of the drama. And I said, you know what? The best way to be out of drama is to be out of drama. Duh. Everybody climbs all over argument and conflict. They're always all about it. So there's your first major red flag right there on what good conduct really is. You know, grace is supposed to give you self-control. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control. That's what gra- Grace does not just seal you for, for, for salvation. It teaches you to say no to ungodly things. But here's the big one, I think, right here that James says. He says you've got to be willing to yield. Willing to yield. Are you willing to yield when you catch yourself in a, in a scenario and somebody's provoking you into a match? Are you willing to just let it go? No, I'm going to go to war and I'm going to show them. You know, I see people kind of smiling because, yeah, we think like that. No, are you willing to just yield? It's not worth it, guys. Just let it go. You don't have to return fire. You don't have to return aggression with aggression or insult with insult. That, and guys, when you just let it go, when you're willing to yield, that does not make you a pushover. That makes you demonstrative that you trust God's going to deal with it. I've had people back me up into corners, and I would not snap. I would not counter them the way they were coming at me. And they were like, ha ha, see, I told you so. And they walked away, and he was like, well, I just got defeated. No, you didn't. You turned it over to God. Your conduct, showing your conduct means you're proven to have godly wisdom and understanding in the meekness of wisdom. Friends, these are trademarks of a believer. He said brethren, did he not? These are the trademarks of a believer because righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are you a guy that goes out and stirs conflict with everybody or are you the kind of guy that says, you know what, let it go. I'm going to go make peace. Which one are you? Matthew 5 and 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. If you are truly thankful that God came to save you, thinking that while he still had the power to forever destroy you, then as his believers who follow him, we are obligated to follow and forward his character traits through us. Don't you realize that God's character traits you can possess too? God makes decisions, we make decisions, God loves, we love. That should be the, the trademark characteristics of believers in, in the Lord. With your old self dead and gone, crucified with Christ and done away with, then we have to move onward and leave that selfish thing behind. We have to go forward to a new level of spiritual maturity that alters our behavior and alters our speech.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.